0: league belongs to Villarreal, the club from the small city in the east of Spain. Unai Emery wins his fourth Europa League and Villarreal win their first major trophy and are in the Champions League for next season, beating the Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United. What's going to happen to the Red Devils this summer? What do they need? What don't they need? And also we discuss... All the managers and the news that happened today, including Sinatin Sedan leaving Real Madrid, Antonio Conte leaving Inter Milan, and managers like Max Allegri waiting on the wings. We have Jonathan Johnson to break it all down. Our Europa League final recap and everything else that's gone on in the beautiful game today. Diego Lasso begins right now for the first time in their history have a major European trophy as they beat Manchester United in penalties Unai Emery his fourth time winning the Europa League unbelievable Jonathan Johnson incredible those penalties were amazing some may say maybe better than the game itself but who cares what a tremendous final amazing for the city of Villarreal give me your initial reactions to the final
1: well my initial reaction is uh, haha I was right everybody else was wrong because my prediction was 1-1 and Real to win on penalties so I'm delighted that that came through Uh to, but just to be honest I didn't expect for the penalties to go like that uh, I saw a pretty intense penalty shootout recently between PSG and Montpellier which I thought Already set the bar quite high, and then we saw this. Uh, you know, it was nearly, very nearly 11 players a piece. Uh, but to be perfectly honest, my initial reaction is I wish that the game had been as exciting as the penalty shootout. To be honest, it was uh, that's what, that's was, what I
0: was, tweeted. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the, the, the 120 minutes, uh, you know, definitely didn't live up uh to the the very short but exciting uh nature of the penalty shootout, obviously thoughts go out to David De Gea never nice to be the player that misses the key penalty especially when you're a goalkeeper and you're put in that bizarre situation where you don't have any choice but to take it so yeah obviously that was that was really tough on him um but also I'm kind of I'm kind of glad for Villarreal I'm happy for Unai Marie uh obviously it's fantastic for him four-time winner uh, of the competition now, uh, and he's done it with a second Spanish team as well. Uh, you know, fantastic achievement to him. Congratulations. We'll see Real in the Champions League next season. But it was, to be honest, I I, I find it really staggering. Um, you know, this this kind of malediction that Manchester United suffer from when they go into finals, uh, and you know they've now gone. I think it's four seasons without a single trophy. It's it's very bizarre. In fact, the last silverware, I think I remember the winning. Was the Europa League back in 2017? So it's uh, you know, it's obviously it's it's a tough period for them, and there's going to be question marks about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer once more. Uh, but also at the same time, you know, when you when it goes all the way to penalties and you lose like that, there is a a large element of misfortune to it as well. So, you know, I do think that there are things that United will have to take away and try to improve, but also at the same time. You know, it's always going to be a lottery when you get to that stage of a match, especially in a final, considering I don't think we've even seen a penalty shootout in the Europa League this season until then.
0: It was. Not only have we not seen one, I, I can't remember the last time I saw such a good one. Um, I think it was like the African Cup of Nations where we saw one that went for a while. But that was mainly because some players also missed during that. This was like perfect penalties. And sadly for David De Gea, he had to be, somebody had to be that person and it fell. To the goalkeeper. I mean, listen, take nothing away from David De Gea. He's done tremendous things during the whole season to really keep Manchester United in key games. But, you know, it had to be. But just let's just go back for a second on the game. Obviously, Manchester United, you know, wanted to go on the offensive. I mean, it was a very offensively minded uh, lineup. But Real, JJ, you know, and Unai Emery, I, I'm getting a lot of tweets here going, oh, you know, they played for the penalties. I'm like, you know what? Unai Emery knows what he has in his squad and he knows what he was facing and he had to deal with it. And I think it was a very, you know, sort of resilient, albeit not the most fantastic offensively minded performance, but they did what they had to do. I'll tell you one thing, the city of Villarreal with 50,000 people, all of them, you can fit an old trapper, They won't care one bit. They've got the Europa league and it's amazing. But what do you think of the game in itself in the lead up to the penalties?
1: Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I mean, I can understand why people are saying that. But also at the same time, you know, I think we can take it back to our preview with Jimmy the other day. We were talking about the absence of Chuck Ruizzi. As soon as you take out, you know, such an influential attacking piece, you know, VRL are going to have to reinvent themselves tactically to an extent. And I feel that they managed to do that without completely betraying, uh, you know, the sort of approach that Unai Murray likes to take. Uh, in matches. So I wouldn't say that it was completely defensive of their part. Uh, you know, I just think that they were, uh, you know, more con- that, you know, they were more incisive in front of goal. I mean, yeah, you know, it pretty much, it, it pretty much played out the way that we predicted it would as well. Gerard Moreno uh, getting on the score sheet, Edinson Cavani also scoring. It's, you know, it's just, uh, you know, for you, for United, considering how, the focus was on the attack. You know, it was disappointing from their point of view that they weren't able to create more clear-cut chances, uh, you know, to, to put Villarreal to bed because it was a real opportunity for them to take with uh, the likes of Chuck Rizzi missing, uh, you know, to, to make sure that they stamped their mark on it. You know, there were a lot of people saying before the game as well uh, that they expected United to, to dominate this one and win it easily there's never going to be an easy match against a team coached by Unai Emery in the Europa League. We know this, we've seen it so many times before with Sevilla, Uh, you know, we've even seen him taking Arsenal to the final as well. He's done it now with uh, Villarreal and managed to win, you know, and I think he deserves a lot more credit, you know, Unai Emery, he's not an elite coach in Europe, but he is very, very good at this level just below the elite, Uh, you know, and he really is in his element here. And I think that he, did fantastically well with what he had available to him and you know i've i've seen solskjaer our coach you know a few high profile tacticians so far this season but i think that he got outdone uh, by emery tonight
0: yeah i think uh, i mean kapue i think deserves a major recognition i think he did a lot of dirty work that had to be done in the build up to this i think that we forget about how he uh, people like Pau Torres and Albiol tried to limit at least the, the penetration inside the box. It was a very, like you said, it was a very smart performance. And I think that when Una Emery gets a squad who totally is full in 100% in his beliefs, amazing things happen, especially in, in European competition. They didn't lose a single game in this tournament, JJ, to your point about being such a difficult team to beat. They may not have beaten every single team. It wasn't a perfect record, but they made it very difficult. I mean, we saw what they did to Arsenal, just contain and hold and stuff and, and really work on, on the strong finishing. I mean, and they have a fantastic strike in Herald Moreno. Only Lionel Messi, uh, Karim Benzema uh, did better than him in, in La Liga, I believe. So, you know, it's it's amazing. Maybe one more. I can't remember, but, you know, such a good offensive force for them. I mean, you have to tip your hat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I mean, the one thing that I would say, and I really don't like to bring it back to this because it's something that so many people talk about when they look back on Emery's time with Arsenal about the language barrier. I wasn't able to get his ideas across. Unfortunately, there is an element of truth in that because it's something that I noticed when he was coaching PSG and it's something that we noticed when he was in charge of Arsenal as well. Unai Emery, when he is in charge of a team and he's speaking his native tongue, He is able to get his ideas across completely. uh, And that is when a squad really buys into what he is all about. And we've seen it be successful with Sevilla. You know, he enjoyed success in a very difficult uh, situation as well with Valencia. And he's doing the same right now with Villarreal as well, you know, to have taken them from, uh, you know, the the Europa Conference League, uh, which is what they qualified for through La Liga. Uh, into the Champions League is a massive jump for them, you know, and to win a first major piece of silverware as well. We were talking in the preview about them kind of being a little bit like a Spanish equivalent of Bayer Leverkusen. They're shaking that tag off of their backs right now. And I think Unai Emery deserves so much credit for that. You know, he might have had his difficult times when he's strayed outside of Spain and, and, you know, and tried to strike out uh, for himself in other leagues. But when he's come back to, to what he knows best, When he's able to get those ideas across, you know, and a team buys into it, they're very, very difficult to stop, uh, you know, and I think he deserves tremendous credit for this achievement.
0: Yeah, well said, uh, JJ. I just I take this shit so personally, because yes, I understand that he had limitations when he goes outside of Spain. But a lot of the time, especially from the media, it, you know, thinks it was at his expense. Like somehow for some reason, you know, you you completely belittle somebody because you have limitations on language. It's not the fault of the clubs. It's just that the environment itself created this scenario where suddenly Unai felt overwhelmed or whatever because, you know, his language limitations, et cetera. So I'm just, I'm so happy because it's he'll, he'll never do it. He's too classy, but I'm not classy. It's, I'm doing it for him. It's kind of like the middle finger to all those people who like you know make fun of his expense. And I think it's it's remarkable. I mean, the fact that he's now won this four times. And like you said, with two different clubs from Spain, it, it goes to say, and well done. And Villarreal is the club from a very small city in the east of Spain, 50,000 people. You can fit everybody in Old Trafford in there. They've never won a major European trophy. Sorry, Intertoto. I'm not going to include you in that. <laughs> you know, but they've had tremendous players, Juan Roman Riquelme, Marcos Senna, Santi Casorla, Diego Forlan. I mean, the list goes Robert Pires, Martin Palermo. The list goes on and on. They were relegated in 2012. They came right back up and they sort of rejuvenated themselves. They've been semifinalists of the Champions League as well. They're, they're a team that are so likable they're just so because they're just like the little engine they could and and finally they have a trophy to 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 say that they're champions themselves.
1: So yeah, absolutely and I completely agree with it. And you know, I think it's nice as well that they finally do have that continental silverware to show for that period that they had uh, all those years ago because VRL at that time they were so exciting. I mean, as you mentioned, you know the likes of Riquelme, the likes of Senna, uh, the likes of I remember what you know wanting to watch their matches because they were such an exciting team. And I remember finding it such a tragedy that they never managed to win anything. So for Villarreal to have sort of come back and had their second wind now and to actually manage, you know, to finally add a trophy to that cabinet, it's, it's fantastic for them, especially, you know, because of the rise that this club has enjoyed, you know, they've experienced some down moments as well. They dropped back into Segunda for a while, but, you know, to see them back now in La Liga and thriving on the continental stage is fantastic. Really, really happy for them.
0: Absolutely. Very quickly, JJ, before we take a break and we talk about other things, because there's been some big news uh, uh, today as well. But what's Manchester United going to do now then? Uh, who do they need? the Gunnar Solskjaer, of course, as you mentioned. You know, now uh, not a trophy, uh, four seasons without one, four years without one. They came second in the table. It's commendable, absolutely. They're back in the Champions League again as well. Commendable. But what do they need? Obviously, they miss Harry Maguire, but surely they missed. A, they need a little bit more, don't you think? We had Peter Schmeichel this week, and he talked. He wants Harry Kane. I mean, that's not happening. But he wants Wesley Fofana. But that's a good example. I think of uh, he wants to protect the back line. What What do you think they need this summer?
1: I think the United need a lot. I'm going to be completely honest with a you. A long list, yeah. Yeah, I think they need. I need. They think they need players on the pitch, but they also need to build a bit of an identity off the pitch as well. And don't get me wrong, I'm not completely down on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I don't think that he's a terrible coach. I just think that he's gone as far as he can go with this this United side uh, without major changes being made. Uh, And I think that those changes need to be made this summer and those changes need to include the coach. Uh, You know, I think when you've got somebody like Allegri on the market for the moment, he's not going to be available for very long, given the vacancies that have just popped up. But if United are smart, considering the fact that he's been learning English for a while, you know, I I think that they'd be stupid not to take a run at him uh, and perhaps try to make a few changes within the squad. You know, there's been you know, rumblings about, you know, whether guys like uh, Paul Pogba are happy or not, you know, we had Mina Raiola coming out a couple of months ago and saying that Paul Pogba is not going to be a Manchester United player next season. I mean, okay, you know, this is the time to make those changes, uh, you know, to make United uh, a serious prospect again, when it comes to fighting for the title and fighting for, for continental trophies as well. Uh, You know, and I think that those changes, it can't just be one or two tweaks, there's going to have to be some significant changes. And I feel bad for David De Gea because for me, it felt like probably one of the last moments in his Manchester United career. There's been a lot of speculation that he might move on. And I expect the likes of him, Paul Pogba, and possibly Ole Sol Solskjaer as well to be, uh, you know, some of the casualties this summer.
0: That's a, a very big statement. And to be honest with you, when I think about it, it's not an insane one because, uh, you know, The proof is in the pudding, I guess. Uh, The limitations are there, but we will see what happens. We're actually going to take a break because JJ gave us a good segue. And very quickly, we're going to talk about everything else, the managerial cycle that's going to happen this summer because there are plenty of very good managers available right now as we tape. And, you know, some clubs, maybe specifically, maybe even the Premier League is going to want to keep an eye on. So we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Kigo Lasso, our Europa League final recap. We've talked about Villarreal beating Manchester United. So now we're going to talk because big news happened today because this uh, game of ours never stops. Antonio Conte, first of all, JJ is out. Uh, I think that this is a very good proof of what success means uh, in this day and age. uh, Regardless of winning Scudetto, Inter have financial problems. Conte wasn't happy with the limitations and... Uh, didn't meet his objectives as well. So Antonio Conte, first on that one, what what do you make of that?
1: Well, obviously, it's very disappointing. Um, you know, I think there's quite a sad trend at this moment in time of teams winning, that, that, you know, teams succeeding after a long period of not doing anything. And then those successes being undermined by what comes next. You know, we've got Inter, you know, having celebrated their first title in, like what in like a decade, or it's the first title in Italy that's not been won by Juventus for a decade. And I think the last time another club won, it was inter, uh, and then suddenly, you know, their celebrations are cut short by the fact that their coach is going to be leaving, uh, pretty much everyone at the club is facing major pay cuts, uh, and there's going to have to be sacrifices made from the star performers on the pitch this season, uh, because of the financial situation the club finds itself in, uh, I mean there's a, there's a lot of speculation uh, at this moment in time that Allegri might find himself uh, at Inter but I don't see what is going to be attractive about an Inter project that's just managed to succeed uh, in terms of the domestic title yet is now going to have its heart ripped out on the pitch and have to rebuild it's going to be years before they can challenge for silverware once again not, you know, not just domestically, but, you know, in Europe as well. I mean, this inter side that won in Italy and won at a counter in the end, yeah. got, got their asses handed to them in the Champions League. They were, they were absolutely destroyed in some of the matches. And, which is you know, Conte's
0: point, I guess, right? He wants more. So he wants more depth, I guess. Which yeah, is exa-
1: exactly. And, you know, I think the, the ownership at, at Inter, you know, they're, they're not able to offer that. And it's it, like I said, it just goes hand in hand with this sort of sad trend at the moment where you see a team achieving something uh, and then it's almost like they're in a rush to break it up. It's like Lille and Lyon, you know, the title celebrations hadn't even been going on 24 hours before Galtier came out and said, Oh, I'm leaving. Uh, Maignon had turned up in Italy for his medical and signing his contract. It's, it's really saddening, you know, because we're celebrating these achievements because it's fantastic for the game. Uh, you know, and then all of a sudden it's, you know, completely destroyed because of the financial situation. A lot of these clubs find themselves in. And to be honest, a lot of people were saying months and months ago, you know, how can a club like Inter, who's who are in a really bad financial situation, find themselves in a position where they might win the league title?
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, it's quite damning for, for Serie A. And, you know, they're, you know, we just have the proof of it. Conte walking away from a winning project where he's managed to land the first league title uh, that's not been won by Juve in a decade. Uh, you know, and suddenly he finds himself being forced to look elsewhere because he's not going to be able to build on that.
0: Yeah, the meaning of success and failure in the modern game is not really what happens on the pitch. It's why the European Super League was even an idea in the first place for this club. So we've talked about Antonio Conte for a second. You talked about Max Allegri, of course, who's available. Uh, I mean, a very good manager and he's ready to manage. And, you know, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But Zinedine Zidane. Is out of Real Madrid per our Fabrizio Romano. He's updating a little more. He's basically Sedan alerted his coaching team and the players apparently as of uh, as we speaking on, on this night telling them that he's leaving. So uh, everything is set here. Senedian Sedan, Jonathan Johnson, he's done. I mean, I'm not surprised. Are you? No,
1: I'm not surprised. Uh, but I am very curious to see where he goes next. I think we discussed this a couple of weeks ago where I said. If he waits, he may well find himself with a choice between Juventus, one of his former clubs, and the French national team, depending on how France do. Uh, I think we discussed it after Deschamps uh, had recalled Karim Benzema and put a lot of pressure on himself. So we'll see how that pans out. But, you know, I think the Zidane is definitely going to be in demand. I mean, we're talking about potential changes at Manchester United. I'm not sure that a club like Inter Milan would be able to have the sort of lure uh, to, to attract Zidane and certainly, uh, you know, based on, on what we're hearing, will not have the financial pulling power. So, you know, you wonder if Juventus now might take a look at this and think, well, it's been, you know, it's not been to, to our satisfaction What's what's been going on under Andrea Pirillo we're going to look to make a change and we're going to look to bring in someone who has a history with the club. And obviously Zidane is the outstanding choice for that Uh, for Real Madrid. I mean, it's fell for, for a while. Uh, I mean, at least this season, like Zidane's on a bit of a hiding to nothing with Real, And I think that he did very, very well to string out this season as, as long as he did, you know, to take them as far as he did in the champions league and to keep them alive in the La Liga title race, you know, up until the very end. I think that's majorly to his credit, um, Zidane is also a guy who's very, very good at assessing where a club is um, in terms of this cycle of players. Uh, and I think that if he is, you know, agreeing to this decision to leave, you know, whether he's been asked to leave by the club or whether he said to the club he doesn't fancy it anymore. We don't know. We'll have to wait until those details finally come out. But, you know, it, from, from past experience, uh, you know, ba- based on the way that he behaved when he left Real Madrid before, Zidane is a smart guy. He knows when he is going to be in a position of strength and when he's going to be in a position of weakness. And obviously he doesn't feel moving forward like he's going to be in a strong position with this Real Madrid.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's Juventus. I think it's a club that he obviously loves, uh, still has good memories. Obviously, we also know that the director of Juventus, uh, Fabio uh, Paratici, has left the club as well. I'm sure Nedved will follow. There's a lot of changes and that basically ultimately determines Andrea Perlo's fate as well. So we'll see what happens there. Uh how about um these Premier League teams, Jonathan Johnson? Because Tottenham need a manager. You're talking about Olegon and Solskjaer. Could could Manchester United persuade any of these big guys uh to head that way? Even Galtier as well from Leo. Well, wh- what could he be his uh next project? What do you think for Premier League clubs and what they're trying to get this summer?
1: Well, as far as Galtier goes, Premier League would be a good fit for him, no doubt about it, but it sounds like he's set on staying in France. Uh, It sounds like it's going to be between Nice and Lyon, so we'll see how that plays out. Would have loved to have seen him go abroad and, and challenge himself Perhaps that'll come in the future, but for now, it sounds like he'll stay in France. Uh, And obviously, with the Premier League clubs, like I was saying, with relation to Manchester United, to see them go for someone like a Max Allegri, I think would be fantastic. And to be honest, I think if Allegri doesn't end up at a club like United, if United do end up separating with Solskjaer, then he'll end up going to either Real Madrid or going back to Juventus. I think the return to Juventus is the easy option for both the club and the coach. Uh, you know, I think it would be a more of a fresh start, especially in the post-Ronaldo era. If they bring in someone like Zinedine Zidane, I mean, obviously Zidane yeah. would have had a decent amount of sway. Um, you know, if, if Ronaldo did decide to stay, and you know, perhaps would have been able to get some some better form out of him. But I think for for Juve moving forward, they absolutely have to rid themselves uh, of the the major salary that uh, that you know that Ronaldo is is sucking up there. So I think that. You know, a lot of these changes at Juve make sense at this moment in time. And to bring back somebody who has such a strong identity with the club would make a lot of sense. But for the Premier League clubs, for sure, I mean, I think that. Guys like Zidane, like Allegri, like Conte should be the guys that they're taking a run out. Uh, there's been whispers about Conte potentially being lined up by Barcelona. We might see Kuman uh, potentially uh, freed up in the next uh, couple of days and weeks. Now, depending on the you know the candidates available and, and how Barca feel, they're able to uh, you know situate themselves financially in terms of bringing these guys in. But it, you know it's going to be very exciting to see where. A lot of these names end up, but I definitely think it's a good opportunity for Premier League clubs because despite the financial impact of COVID uh, and the desperation of some of these clubs to get in on the Super League, they're still better positioned financially uh, than a lot of their other European counterparts, Inter Milan being a very good example. You know, a team that's just won the league, yet is having to enforce major pay cuts across the entire
0: board. Yeah, very good point. Premier League becomes way more appealing to these managers than other places where. Financially, they're a mess, and we still don't know what's going to happen with UEFA, and of course those uh, Spanish clubs and the uh, and the Italian club that, you know, after the European Super League, or failure to or annex, or you know, just uh, you know, not wanting to leave the 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 options or the decision. So it's going to be a very busy summer. I think that, uh, Jonathan Johnson, you you and me, we're probably not going to get a vacation. I don't know. We'll probably try and find a way to make it happen. Do do, do we ever get a vacation? No, I don't think so. But you know, come on. (laughs) If if I do this podcast from a beach club in the south of France, like, I don't care. I'm going to tell CBS right now. It's just crazy because it's just too many things happening. It's insane. Today was insane. Um, All right, Jonathan Johnson, that was it. Thank you so much. We gave you so much everybody our recap and of course everything that's happened from a managerial perspective Jonathan Johnson final thoughts before we say goodbye
1: yeah I mean I can't wait to see what the Champions League has in store for us this weekend and then let's not forget you know we've still got uh, the Euros to come this summer as well so plenty more soccer on its way
0: (laughs) absolutely I cannot wait Jonathan Johnson thank you so much my man
1: pleasure as always
0: I want to thank Jonathan Johnson for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Gay Pod. We are also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. You can watch every episode on youtube.com forward slash Gay Make sure that you subscribe. I am on Twitter, LMH as well. Jonathan Johnson with John underscore Legossip as well. Make sure that you go on CBSports.com for more content. And we have the Champions League. The Champions League final between Manchester City and Chelsea. Our preview coming out as well. Plenty to give you from Kebo Lasso. Have a great, great day.